You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Basket it's on my head. Africa's never dead. Africa's always dying. No more apples and oranges, only pickles and pacifists. Twitter ranter from martyrdom, unified as capitalists. Give them death be gone. Give them Teflon done. Give them rice around politics to bear my arms and watch the bears come out. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter and I am here with my co-hosts. What's up, Brittany? What's up, Piper? How are you? Wonderful. And what's up, Jaira? Hey, everyone. What's up, Jaira? You okay? You good? No? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, you sound great. <laughs> no, um, so I don't know if we want to start with well, let's start with you, Brittany. How's your week been? My week's been good. I got to see you yesterday. That was like a real cool thing. And Nina, like at the same time. So that was really cool. Yeah. Like I really appreciated you guys coming. So tell us, what did we come to? <laughs> you guys came to village pizza which is you know us doing a pizzeria at a kibalon village every saturday from 11 to 7 um we tell people to go onto the website and order the pizza they pick a time slot and uh, we have their pizza ready um and uh yeah so yesterday you guys came to the kibalon village i think gmac gave you guys a, like a fresh uh update tour of the facility and uh, you guys got to see me like work with the youth and them making pizzas. And um, yeah, it was a good time. At least I had a good time seeing you guys. And um, yeah, what did P. Groove think of his pizzas? Oh my God. First of all, he got the large. I got the, well, I guess it's a small. And because um, we, we like different things. And so, Understood. And so um, he has been eating that pizza since yesterday so he had some yesterday for dinner actually we both ate ours yesterday for dinner okay he had the large so of course he had pizza left over so he had that pizza also for his dinner this evening of which i snuck (laughs) okay that pizza is so so good and his thank you so much yeah, his grandson had it for dinner last night and tonight as well. And his grandson is like seven. Okay. And so um, he doesn't like anything but chicken nuggets and French fries. <laughs> and um, he loved that pizza. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. And That's okay. good. Mm-hmm. And for me, I have, um, I started seeing this holistic doctor. Well, initially I got the holistic doctor for my mom because Understood. I really want to you know like help her you know like improve and everything with her heart condition and so um but my mom was like no nah, I'm not about to do none of this <laughs> um because when you go you know you have to go on a fast and then um anyway it's a regimen and so 
she was just like, I'm not going to commit to this regimen. And I'm like, man, I tried though. I tried, I tried, I tried, but my mom was just like, no. And so, um, I ended up reading all the, you know, all the materials that he gave her and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was like, this is all the stuff that I do, the stuff I believe in. Mm -hmm. It's like the stuff from, you know, Queen of Fua, you know, um, Dr. Jewel Pukram, mm -hmm. you know, um, Dr. Layla Africa, <laughs> you know, doc, uh, 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 you know, Dr. Sabi, you know, just all of the the people that I, I look to for guidance, you know? Um, and so yes. his name is, um, Dr. Dawood, it's him and his wife. They also teach um, herbalism classes. He's a naturopath and um, he like takes your blood and then he looks at your blood and then he, you know, analyzes it. And then you know, he gives you instruction as to how to improve. And so, you know, for me, I, I was just, you know, like, not, I told him, you know, like, I don't trust doctors, you know, because, you know, black women and doctors, like, it's just, I, I, I a lot fast, of trauma, huh? A lot of trauma. Like, I fast and I, um, you know, I mostly see women and, you know, I'm, I'm just a very, like, you know, more into natural ways. And he's like, yeah, I'm a naturopath. And, you know, we're gonna, you know, um, look at all ways to, you know, be healthy. healthy. And I'm like, cool. So thank you. Know, I don't have any conditions or diseases. So, you know, I'm very actually happy about that. And um, he, you know, looked at my blood and then he made some suggestions. So he was saying that I eat my, well, I, you know, so I went the first week and then I went back after he took the blood and everything. And I did the, the week fast and then I went back, you know, um, for the follow-up and he was like, yeah, he was like, you, you know, you chew your food too fast. You need to slow down. Mm -hmm. I do too. And he was, um, he was like, you need to, he was like, you're putting a lot of stress on like your liver and your colon. And so, um, I'm, you know, I'm going to be drinking this, I ordered this delivery of this steam distilled water. And um, I was like, well, why not alkaline water? And he was like, you know, cause I asked him, I said, I said, of all the water, you know, like, why not just spring water, you know, or alkaline water? And he was like, well, with spring water, you don't know the spring that it comes from. So I was like, well, on the bottle, it says Wisconsin, you know? And he was like, yeah, Wisconsin, but you don't know like what dead animals were, may have been around the spring. You don't know like what metals or pollutants are around, you know, the area of the spring. I said, yeah, that's true. He was like, and also too, you know, with the alkaline water, he was basically explaining how, um, you know, you could be too alkaline sometimes and like how with uh, the, 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 the metals and things, like how the alkaline can like interfere with metals and, and you can be putting that like right up to your brain. And, and so I was like, oh, that's interesting. He said with this steam distilled water though it's a bit more um i hate to say like pure but i don't know another word 
and um, you're getting all the natural minerals and everything, you know? Uh, he, he said, because the regular just still, you know, regular, like if you just boil water, all the minerals and stuff boil out. And that's why you'll see that rim, you know, like around the pot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and how, but the steam distilled, they have all these machines or whatever. And they, 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 they were able to, to distill it. So you still, um, through a steam process that where it captures it so you still get to keep all the minerals and everything you know in the water so you know that that's a thing and then he prescribes some different herbs and something he calls a body management system so it's like alfalfa and some other stuff milk thistle and some other stuff but it's basically like herbs that you know uh help to stimulate you know um your uh, your system, you know, help you clean and, you know, build your immune system and all this other stuff. So um, long story short, uh, I'm basically eating like one meal a day and doing intermittent fasting and um, drinking a gallon of this steam distilled water a day and then taking these various herbs. And then I drink my was it the and then I drink my tea and then in the evening I do a I think it's called cascara sagrada I do that at night and so it's just a a pretty regimented life I mean I used to be super regimented when I lived in New York and then when I came to Detroit I just got laxed but mm-hmm. um but it's just being you know back on my game and uh pretty strict for at least a month and then, you know, come back and then we're going to reevaluate. So I go back and see him in a month. But I'm saying all that to say that your meal is the way I broke my fast. Um, oh, wow. Yesterday. So, and I really didn't have any food today. So that's how I broke my fast today. So, okay. Um, and it's on, and it's healthy pizza. So it's on the list of, you know, foods I can have. Um, Understood. I mean, how are the vet foods? Most of my foods, though, he said that I cannot. He wants me to drink like majority of my meals, which I had kind of drinking about 60, 70% of my meals. But he was saying I should drink majority of my meals. You know, it should be juices and vegetables, but but, you know, like as a juice, he said, because um, it'll absorb more into my system, you know? Understood. Yeah. So that's the thing but yeah well, but Piper, was- that sounds like amazing discipline mm-hmm. like that sounds healthy um I love the word one of my favorite words is break f- breakfast which is break fast like mm-hmm. I think my mom um I don't practice it but my mom doesn't eat before noon um mm-hmm. because that's her way of doing her intermittent fasting every day you know she drinks a lot um I think you and P Groove though do I mean habitually right do an amazing job of juicing and um uh taking shots and really starting off your day with you know what I mean like liquids which is so good for your body and your immune system you know so but people is more juicer than me I'm a self-proclaimed um fat vegan like Mm -hmm. I I like to eat you know what I mean I like to chew down on some kale and I got you you know but um but yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, no, no solid foods before noon. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
So that's that's what I'm on too. So yeah. That's dope. That's the healthy way. That's Miss Beverly knows what to do. Yeah, she's uh she was so happy to see you guys. Like I know it's good. I to give her a hug, but I was like, eh, she's over there needing dough. I better not get near her. Ha ha, here you go. No, really, because you gotta be careful, you know. Like uh it's true. It's I had true. you know, I had come from outside. I was, you know, doing other, you know, you make it I understand. Of, you know, maybe 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 2019, you know what I'm saying? I would have went over there, but you know, post COVID, you gotta keep your distance. It's true. Mm. It's true. But you did a great job. The food was Thank amazing. You. Thank uh, you so much. Fresh ingredients, very tasty. Thank and you. No, I do not mess with no square thick crust pizza. Was but it I airy enough for you? you? No, listen. It's not airy. I don't want all that crust. I'm a thin, I'm a thin crust. I'm a soft. Well, we're, we're adding that to the meat. We're adding that to person. We're New adding York that now, to- baby. You understand? Know That's all right. Look, New York I'm bringing, style. I'm bringing the New York style in like a month. Like I just by the summertime, I'll have mm-hmm. my round, which I really appreciate. I I think it's everything you want it to be. Like so, I'm excited for you to have that because I know that'll be like what's better for you and your eating lifestyle too so i get i definitely get it uh, but, but yeah you did a great job great 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 very proud of you thank you right i'm glad i was so happy to see you yeah well let's yeah. get into you brought some topics yeah yeah topic topics um gyra you there gyra yes sorry it's all good. So in the car world, do you care about cars? Do you like cars as a tech person? Yeah, I love cars. Have you ever been to the auto show? Actually, no, I've never been. What? Chira, that is like <laughs> I something. I don't have an opportunity to go. I'm, well, I'm hoping that they bring the Detroit auto show back. I mean, I'm hoping that... Um, we're able to have it and I'm looking online and as it reads now, they are having the auto show June 11th through the 26th, which is normal only in the sense of that. Usually the auto show is when they do have it, it's a week and a half long. Um, typically in, as a Detroiter, I'm used to the auto show being um, at the first of January, you know, that's like one of the winter things that you can do. Pipe, what, what are your experiences with the Detroit auto show? I used to um, photograph it. I used to have a couple nice. Well, I used to have a couple clients that wanted their, you know, things photographed there. But um, it was more like the models. You know, I had photographed a lot of models there before, and um, it's basically like a a convention, um, and. They have the cars displayed everywhere. But then um, over the years, like over time, they started like upgrading the experience. And so they would have performances, parties, um, different types of displays, you know, incorporating a lot of arts and culture and technology. They would have whole fashion shows, Mm. at the auto show um and different uh distributors or different car companies will have a different um 
what am I trying to say? Like way that they want to entice you to purchase the the car with their the way they do their presentation and display. And so some people do these bit, you know, they started getting into like these big screens, and then it was like the touch screens, and then they were doing films and uh you know some of them have like little treats or food or just you know all types of just think of like how can I in all of these you know because it's in it's in a huge well we don't know what will be moving forward it had been in a huge convention center and um I mean, tens of thousands of people come from all over the world uh, to see, you know, maybe even more than that, you know, to see the newest technology, the newest designs, um, you know, different ideas. You have paint, you know, uh, different paint types of finishes and uh, many of the displays will have models doing demonstrations of different things so you have different companies there that might represent different aspects of uh, the auto industry so you can have different parts uh, distributors different um, like I said paint companies paint finishes different tire companies um, the, you know ball bearings um, the seats, uh, you know, what are they made of? Are they leather? You know, um, you could get in most of the cars of the displays you can actually get in and you could feel around. Um, they had even started doing some test drives where you could make appointments with some of the companies and test drive some things around, um, you know, outside or whatever. Uh, and then it started getting a bit to where they would have a little bit of like pre-events that would happen before the auto show, um, you know, and then the like official auto show parties and the after parties. It's pretty much like, imagine All-Star Weekend, <laughs> it's for cars. No, like seriously, like my experience with it is like, the fact that for me in high school like that was the thing to do was to go to the auto show like you know what I mean like it was like where like the suburbs uh, high school kids and like where the Detroit high school kids the private school kids like that's where everybody would come together like one of those events that brought everybody together like so it was just a blast like of course it got like a little out of hand at times you know our generation I feel like but it was definitely like a hangout spot for like, you know, younger people too. However, like, you know, as I got older, I definitely saw like how the auto show, like you're saying, it's like a huge, like it, if it's, it's definitely top three Detroit events, annual events, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's number one. Yeah, that's, I think it is too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's number one. Yeah, it's definitely big. It's definitely huge. Like, because people, yeah. I'd say the the auto show, and then the the um the techno fest. Oh yes, yeah, that's a good number too. Mm -hmm. the, the techno fest is huge. People come from all over the world, right? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But this, you know, this year's auto show, actually 2020's auto show was supposed to be the first year where it was going to be an outdoor display and that it was going to be moved to the summertime. Um, they were going to turn like, um, I think campus marshes into the displays as well as the TCF center, um, you know, former Cobo center being still like the hub of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cool thing is, is that it was going to be moved to, um, the summertime. Uh, so of course, uh, last year for that, those plans, uh, were interrupted by COVID-19. And so currently what's going on as of, uh, March 2nd, this was an article that was written um, in the Detroit News um, that says that city council wants definitely to have a a auto show, uh, even with the restrictions, Uh, but the uh, DADA, um, the actual people who actually put the auto show on, they're based in Troy, they don't want to. So the city of Detroit, and it sounds like TCF, is willing to make something work and they feel as if it's a rush. Um, so they're currently right now in the midst of voting to see what they're gonna do. Um, and we shall see what's gonna happen. Um, but the plans is, is to have it in June, June 11th through the 26th, which is a week and a half, but uh, it's still undetermined if they're gonna have it. Um, for me, I love going to the auto show, just even not even just like as a hangout anymore. Um, but I, I like cars, you know, I think that's probably because I'm from Detroit and, you know, we're the, you know, the big three. So it's kind of about like default, but I definitely like seeing how people um, engineers specifically, right? Like being from Detroit, of course, I have friends that like went to school to be engineers and some of them work for um, the big three. So I think it's, kind of cool to see like those specific type of engineers and artists who uh, actually develop these concept cars right that's the cool thing about having the advantage of being from Detroit and being able to go to the auto show like and it's you know accessible is because you're able to see like this amazing art from these engineers and like their concept cars like things that aren't going to come out for 10 years, possibly, you know what I mean? So it's just an amazing event. Um, I'm, you know, Piper, we talked about it even uh, last night for women in hip hop is just, you know, when you start being around people as safe as you can, you kind of miss these events. It kind of feels like it's nostalgic just because of, you know, COVID and us all trying to be as safe as we can. Um, as we're still trying to figure out if we're all going to be made to be vaccinated or if we're just all going to be vaccinated, you know, it just kind of is like, a, you know, kind of like a, a cool feeling to think about, you know, going back to those kind of events. So I definitely think that having it this year is rushed. We're already in March. Um, I think that some of the restrictions that are on for COVID are not being thought out. Like for instance, uh, this week I went to visit um, some elevator mechanics at a bank, a small bank in Dearborn. And (laughs) the line, uh, the rule was, is that only seven people were allowed in the bank. So everybody else had to like stand in line. But my issue is, is that the people standing in line were in a tighter space. There was like 12 people in this tighter space than in the bank. And which to me is more of a COVID risk than more than seven people actually being in the bank. So it's just kind of like, as we are calling ourselves opening back up or 
having restrictions and having to deal with vaccines and getting everybody vaccinated before hurt, you know, we want herd immunity. It's just like, we need to think more about these restrictions. Like, so I digressed a little bit from talking about the auto show. Um, but I wanted to, you know, talk about it. It was in the news this week. Um, I personally cherish that event. Um, but also it also has me thinking about COVID and the things that are keeping these events from happening. And I just want to be sure that if we're thinking about restrictions, they're logical ones. Cause some of the ones that people are coming up with to me are kind of stupid, but that's just me. Well, I definitely want to, um, welcome Deja. What's up Deja? Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. How are you all? What's up, Dash? Yeah, good. Yeah, glad you were able to hop on. That's what's up. We were just, um, you know, talking about the auto show. I don't know if you've ever been. Yeah, plenty, often. Oh yeah, what's your what's your experience with it? Um, just going with my mom. Um, the first thing I remember is usually the smell. You smell um, all of the vendors from like Mackinac Island with their fudges and then you have like the peanuts. That's my favorite part because I love to eat, but um, who's got that whiff in my nose too? You know, like that's my yeah. favorite part when you walk in, like you know you're at the auto show by that smell for me. And um, just the cool cars, like just cars that, you know, you just the technology of it all, just to see how things advance and you see prototypes. And I like how cool the displays get every year. I miss yeah. it. But I, I was never a fan of those big crowds because just being so little and being there with my mom, sometimes it was intimidating, like seeing all those people. It would be a lot of people, right? Yeah, it was always packed in there. So and that's the only reason I didn't enjoy it. And then sometimes I'm not going to lie, it became redundant because, you know, it's just looking at new cars. So you kind of got to space it out sometimes unless you, you know what you're going to see and what you're looking for when you go to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be it can be an expensive trip too if you just decide to go to the auto show to look at cars, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 12 bucks a ticket then if you eat, you know, and you like with three or four people, that can be expensive. Yeah. That it it can get expensive. Hey, um I have a question. Speaking of like technology. Yeah. Did y'all hear about um that like thousands of people from uh that are customers of Microsoft um, have, were victims of this hack that came from China? I definitely looked it up after you said something, and that's crazy. And So basically, it, um, the article was in the New York Times, right? And um, it said they started the attack back in January, um, but then they escalated the efforts in like the most recent weeks and that's Mm -hmm. that's according to the security experts and they said that business businesses and government agencies were affected i'm like well that's pretty they're keeping it like i I know it's in the media but i haven't heard that much about it have y'all no i just looked it up and i had to like actually really look it up because they weren't like it wasn't trending which is shocking it's yeah, a, things um, like, oh. oh, go ahead, Jairo. 
I know to say things like that they try not to bring to the public too much due to um, the severity of it is because one they don't want people to freak out and um, two they try to keep things low kind of like if like for example if um, if the government for some reason found an alien in like Detroit and a lot of people know about it or have or a lot of people seen it in, the, in general they wouldn't put that on the news or anything like that just to keep people calm and not freaking out because it will affect, you know, the economy. Same thing with like, um, as far as like with Microsoft, they don't want to put that out because a lot of people won't buy their products anymore. <clears throat> Bro, it says the attack exploited holes in exchange which is a mail calendar server that's created by microsoft and uh used by a brand by a what does it say by a broad range of customers so yeah that's pretty deep man i mean I, i i mean and microsoft is one of those companies that is pretty much a staple for most american businesses you know yeah you think of Fortune 500, you think of Microsoft, right? Yeah, they all use it for everything. Yeah. Um, it says that their, their, their services have been um, compromised, right? And it was an aggressive hacking campaign. Uh, it says that was, they said they, they think it was probably sponsored by, China, by the Chinese government. I wonder why though, right? Like, maybe spying into into customers data and they hacked some pretty like prominent people too who do you see give me one second i'm gonna hop back into the article mm-hmm. it says it says the number of victims are estimated to be in like the tens of thousands and it could rise and um yeah, this is this is uh and it's ongoing. Like I guess they're they're, they're the uh, European uh, Banking Authority. <laughs> like what? Wow. Um uh electricity providers, senior citizen homes, an ice cream company, uh um Elliott City City, a Maryland-based firm that monitors the security of customers. <laughs> wow. It says that a um a cybersecurity firm uh discussed yeah. it, you know? that's crazy. Yeah. Um it says it says Microsoft is trying to repair it, repair the vulnerabilities. Um it said it said that it said the US government cybersecurity agency issued an emergency warning on Wednesday. I didn't hear about it, did you? <laughs> no, I catch her. I catch her drift. Deja, did you hear anything about this? No, not at all. Wow. It's yeah, a, this is not even. This should be head news, and said, CNN is busy talking about Megan and what's his name? I don't know. Harry. I don't know. Look, it says. Um, <laughs> it says basically. Um, the warning urged federal agencies to immediately immediately patch their systems. So he said he said he thinks it hit probably like 30,000 people. And so um, he says, we're concerned that there's a large number of victims. The White House press secretary, Jen 
Pisaki said during a press briefing on Friday, um, it said the attack could have far-reaching impacts. So, um, yeah, this is interesting, interesting. Wait, what does this part say? It says federal officials were struggling to understand how the latest uh, hack compared with last year's intrusion into a variety of federal agencies and corporate systems by Russian hackers in what has become known as solar winds attack. I think I remember that. So in, it says in the incident, the Russian hackers, um, say, uh, da, 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 stole material from nine government agencies and roughly 100 companies, damn. And you know what's crazy? They probably just wanted to see if they could actually do it. It probably was just a test run for cyber war, some crazy shit. And that's crazy. It says, um, when asked whether China was responsible for the hack, Wang Wenbin, a spokesman for China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, said China has reiterated on multiple occasions that given the virtual nature of cyberspace and the fact that there are all kinds of online actors who are difficult to trace, tracing the source of cyber attacks is a complex technical issue. It is also a highly sensitive political issue to pin the label of cyber attack to a certain government. So. Crazy. Man, well, I have a, I have a clip um and i wanted to play you guys a clip i'm like where did i put my clip <laughs> oh here it is i'm like i had it all queued up okay um so this is this is on the this is the secretary i believe speaking on the brief um uh, here we go. Uh, just a couple on uh, technology. Uh, you had a statement out from Dick Sullivan last night mm -hmm. on uh, the Microsoft-related mm -hmm. breach. I'm um, just curious if that uh, affected any government computers, departments, agencies, uh, and any more uh, color detail around that. Sure. Um, uh, this isn't, and for anyone who didn't see um, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan's tweet last night, he spoke to the uh, Microsoft breach that's been reported. But uh, this is a significant vulnerability uh, that could have far-reaching impacts. Um, first and foremost, this is an active threat. Uh, and as the National Security Advisor tweeted last night, everyone running these servers, government, private sector, academia, needs to act now to patch them. We are concerned that there are a large number of victims and are working with our partners to understand the scope of this so it's an ongoing uh process uh trevor i would say mm. that's crazy <laughs> she was she was sounding uh a little nervous there like she was trying to like balance you know what i mean like okay this is really really bad but i'm i'm, I'm trying to make it seem like you know i know what to do and how to get it under control but yeah, they don't know what to do and they don't know how to get us <laughs> control. What do y'all think? No, I agree. <laughs> she sounded like she was trying not to deflect but stay on topic. Mm -hmm. Deflecting is like the most obvious thing people do when they're either unsure or 
they know they're like wrong <laughs> yeah wow oh well y'all um yeah that's crazy um i don't know well that's what i got um what's another topic you got Brittany? you there Brittany? Oh. yeah i'm here give me one second okay yeah so um deja did you bring a topic this evening um yeah have you guys heard about the audit to the detroit fire fire department no yeah so they had two drunk driving incidents this past week oh i guess it was two weeks ago now but the audit um well the article about the audit came out on tuesday the second and um yeah they're basically being audited because they keep having incidents with people with their fire people being drunk on the job what One of them actually crashed a, a a vehicle or department vehicle is it the in the same department mm-hmm. the sergeant oh the detroit fired i think so it's this article that i'm reading on the detroit news this is actually the only one i've read on it but um yeah i just went back to it i read it earlier this week but it says two incidents this week one in which a sergeant crashed a department vehicle so i assume it's the same it's all detroit so i don't know what precinct it was but yeah so what um are they gonna do Oh, well, it seems like there's going to be an investigation at each level of, like, government. So the fire department is doing their own internal investigation, and the police department is doing their own investigation. They're doing a criminal investigation. And I think someone else is as well. But some of these officers have had past incidences. I was actually listening to the radio this morning and they were talking about it. Um, This woman had a news clip from one of the, it was from Channel 4. And um, the, 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 the news reporter was interviewing someone and they basically said that they were gonna do their best to figure out what's going on and why the officers are drinking on the job because that's not acceptable and they don't understand how a sergeant was doing it when he knows better than anyone that that's not acceptable they all just said that they're going to launch an investigation and figure out what's happening the end of this Detroit News article said though that this is just um like officers shouldn't be relieving stress like this on the job and they shouldn't be like drinking that much anyway because they have lives in their hands on a daily basis. They have to be responsible. Someone, I believe it was the, the fire chief said that they started be doing, um, like they started taking on medical stuff too, not just fire stuff. And that was something that might have added to the stress, but I believe that was back in 2014 when they took that on and then COVID hit. But I don't understand how they haven't gotten organized in six years to where they weren't prepared. I don't know. I'm not judging because I'm not a firefighter and I know that job is extreme, but I don't understand. I mean, it's a stressful job and 
you know, people drink, people do drugs and people do the job. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, you know, of course the fire chief is going to say, you know, what he has to say, but at the end of the day, like being a, any, any, any sort of high pressure job like that, you know, where you're, and you know, it's, um, I've, I've heard from other, from folks that have, that I know that are, you know, uh, work for fire department or firefighter, um, that they love it. You know, I know that like, they really love their job. They love their people that they're with, like their crew or whatever it's called their team. And, um, you know, they, they get to know each other very intimately because they have to live at the firehouse, like X amount of days every week. And they make their meals together and they, you know, they basically live together. Like, I don't know how many days it's, I guess it's like a significant amount of days per week. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, they, and then they, they go and then, and, and what I'm told is that majority of the work is really just community work, just like people need things in the community. And then the dangerous stuff is like, not that often. And which is good because, you know, we don't want a bunch of fires raging everywhere, but in a city like Detroit that has something called like a devil's night, did people do devil's night last year? I don't even know. Do you I know? hope so. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, in a city where people do something called the devil's night where people die every year because people are setting fires, you know, in the community for some weird holiday you know um i'm sure like that's i mean and that 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 in and of itself is some stress i mean just the fact that they have to pick up you know some of the slack because there's not a proper you know uh staffing of an emt system you know and although they do make pretty decent money um i could imagine how the 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 load of you know the stress of just like having to you know deal with people as often as they probably do could possibly weigh on a person so I could definitely see people being like okay I'm gonna just you know take some of this stress off just like people smoke weed you know I'm gonna take mm-hmm. some of this off you know um gonna you know or like the way people drink coffee or anything like that you know i'm a drink i'm a i would have a drink and relax a little bit Uh uh-oh it's a fire Uh uh-oh i gotta go oh i got a medical emergency (laughs) yeah i could totally i could totally see that happening um to people well piper it's funny you say that because when the elevator trade like they always talk about like how things used to be and they used to say like part of what they would do is like on their lunch break they would go and have a beer like that was part of how things work. Like they would get off work early and while they were probably still on the clock, drink. So it's not like, I don't think I can definitely visualize it, but it just makes it even worse that part of like a fire person's job is to drive, you know, to get somewhere safe. So I think in general too, I've noticed like other type of truck drivers, like, um, that are on the road, I just feel as if like, like, I wouldn't say, I think their mindsets have gotten a little bit more lackadaisical. 
Um, just just how I see the mic. Always, let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. The trucking has always been like an industry of the mafia. Okay. Okay. So the people who do who now this is a broad generalization, but historically, people who have done trucking, you know, have also engaged in a lot of trafficking you know, drug trafficking or bootlegging or any of that, okay? And so the the trade routes and all this kind of thing with the trucking, like that's a huge industry to where a lot of truckers make extra money to carry a little extra load, you know what I'm saying? They have, historically, they've had a different lifestyle, which is the go to the, mo- that's where the motel, side of the road motel, um, you know, uh what do you call it uh we'll say so true sex worker you know environment um yeah and so yeah the trucker thing i mean yeah like drugs drinking in general is a part of that culture you know what i'm saying and i am giving a broad generalization i do know people who drive trucks and things who don't drink you know and who are very faithful and who you know don't fit the right things yeah fit that stereotype but um yeah that's that but now with the firefighter i mean we're always used to seeing this healthy buff you know firefighter that you know we always think of the firefighter as like the good guy i mean everybody stereotype yeah everyone loves the fire department right they hate the police but they love to see the fire people and how many times you see the fire truck go by and then you put your arm and go that yeah i want them to like yank the thing (laughs) you know um so but i could imagine i could imagine especially having gone through a lot of the stuff that they have to go through just over the years and also too it's Mm -hmm. historically i mean in general okay people don't like to talk about this because we have such an image problem with the united states of trying to be so puritanical but in general, people do all types of stuff, you know, while they're on their job. You get what I'm saying? Sure. All types of behaviors um, while they're working. So, yeah, it's ideal. Um, I mean, and, and trust me, like, I want a sober fire person just as much as the next person. But I think maybe we also got to look at, like, what is happening if this is a, if this is um you know impacting people being able to do their job like what other ways in which the you know department can can they support people you know what i'm saying that's what mayor duggan said um about the whole thing he was he said um that detroit didn't ramp up an employee assistance program fast enough and then when covid hit that just made things like 10 times worse basically summarizing what the article said he said and now they're gonna create programs for those things oh my god right (laughs) i know but i mean i do think that the worker you know the firefighter they need to be supported you know um -hmm. i mean and anybody anybody that feels that like they've got to do something whether it's drinking or drugs or sex or whatever if, if people have to do something and you know and and they they can't you know wait until they have their personal time to do it that means that 
it's um at, at some kind of unhealthy level if that makes sense hmm. you know what i mean like yeah it's like the movie flight you you could just do your job and keep it pushing if you get to the point where you're doing something and it's overboard then you know you're feeling a void at that point so yeah Oh man, that's pretty, that's sad. So what's the, what's the outcome? Like, do you know yet? The outcome is the investigations that the police department is launching and the fire department is launching on themselves and just, um, I think that's it. I don't really see other than them saying that they need to have support systems in place for the firefighters. I don't know what they'll actually do other than this audit and these investigations. Yeah. Well, I hope that whoever they are protecting is, is protected and safe. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Brittany, did you find your topic? I remember that, um, I told you the other night that I have been hearing a lot about this new East African restaurant that's a new center that's across the street from Yum. And I hope that I'm pronouncing it correctly, Um, but I believe it's called Babo Fair. And a lot of people have been talking about it from a sense of they had done a, um, they they did a small soft opening and it was like $60 for um, a plate and not even just a plate. It was like a, I'd say like a four to five course meal. And so a lot of people gave it like really, really good ratings. And so um, one night I just was like looking for something to eat. Um, I was out late and then I saw that it was open. And like I said, it's at the corner of, um, it's all like right by East Grand Boulevard. It's across from Yum, but uh, they were open. It was almost like nine o'clock and um, I walked in and it was beautiful. Like, I mean, it was probably one of the most like uh, from an atmosphere space, like the mo- it's probably the most modern restaurant on Woodward in that area. Um, when, when I say it's modern, I mean, it just is so well put together and it has such a great, it's like, a, it's like, ap- like modern African art. Like it's the only way I can describe it kind of like not, not Afrofuturism, but it's just, you know, it's really, it's just a beautiful space. It has good energy. Uh, the owner was uh, very, very humble. Um, he was amazing. Um, the uh, restaurant was uh, full of uh, white people, which, of course, they love eating exotic food. Um, uh, however you want to take that word. But um, it didn't surprise me. The point I'm making is, is they like Ethiopian food. They like they like dabbling in different cultures. It makes them feel cool. Um, but the atmosphere was great. Um, I had, uh, what did I have? I had, uh, sauteed eggplant. Um, I had like a coconut, uh, rice pilaf. I had, uh, fresh plantain and I had like a, like a, like a collard green, like mixture. I can't really describe it and had like spices on it. Um, I got it carried out, but I hear when you eat in, they give you for an appetizer plantain and fresh roasted peanuts. Um, and then I also bought this $6 little bottle of like a passion fruit juice that's freshly squeezed, um, that they had like perfect labels on. I know that's random, but I mean, they just like had their whole package together, uh, very nicely assembled. 
Um, the food was very good. It was very tasty. It had flavors. Um, uh, they also have a bread. It's not Nigerian bread, like Ethiopian bread. Um, they call it a flatbread. Um, the owner and his wife, it's their business. Um, they've only been in the U S since 2014. Um, he mentions, uh, you know, on his, uh, you know, in his press releases and then also on his Instagram page that, you know, it took him three years to develop the concept, but he wanted to, of course, bring, you know, the area of Africa that he's from, you know, he wanted to ensure that all those flavors made it into all of these dishes. And it, it has a, you know, for me, a very unique taste. It's awesome. Excuse my background because I'm on fourth street, but you know, the food has a really, you know, just a really, really like I think a unique taste and uh, very flavorful. And again, the atmosphere is amazing. Um, I would say um, it's a good addition to that area, right? When you talk about that area specifically, um, across the street is Cooking with Q, who's doing um, vegan, vegetarian, and I think she also does some pescatarian dishes. Um, you have uh, Yum Village. You also have Textures by Nefertiti that has moved in that area. Sapinos, which is, you know, Flagship is an Eastern market. They're there. Um, you know, so the boulevard, the extension of, you know, if you want to call it gentrification or development, is starting to stretch almost into Highland Park as we expected. Um, but it's awesome to see, uh, you know, in that space, there's about five Black-owned businesses as you start to edge into Highland Park off the boulevard. Um, so I think that he's a great addition to that area. You know, Piper, you mentioned it. Caribbean and East African food are similar. But when you tra when you're traveled and you understand the differences, they are different, you know. So them being on the, you know, basically on Woodward off the boulevard together, I think it's awesome, you know. So um, again, I think it's pronounced uh, Bob Fair and it's spelled B-A-O-B-A-B-F-A-R-E. Uh, um, they also have, I mean, if you guys go on their website, which is just the name of the restaurant, B-A-O b-a-b-f-a-r-e.com there's a write-up of um them and then they have a beautiful picture they're a beautiful couple um so i think it's also cool that they are you know marketing the fact that they've gone into business together and share you know a dream together um i'll read you a little bit off of their journey on the website it says the mission to present a taste and feel of east africa will be reflected by the staff's cultural awareness and personal background it is the intention of Bible Fair to rely on our close friends at Freedom House, a temporary home for indigenous survivors of persecution from around the world who are seeking asylum to fulfill staffing needs. By offering employment to farmer residents of Freedom House, we will be providing the promise of opportunity to the new American excited to contribute to their community. We have to bring Bible Fair to Detroit. It is a, it is a responsibility. In an effort to encourage enrichment of the city through immigration from international countries, we have to be attractive to all. If Detroit wants to be a major international player in the world as a tourist attraction and a, a livable destination, we need to have interesting and diverse options for all activities. Other big cities, for example, have all types of food. In New York, you can find Chinese food next to an Indian restaurant across from a pizza parlor next door to a Jewish deli. Detroit is going to be like that. It can be like that. And as long as we make it happen. And the first step for me is bringing an African restaurant to Detroit. That's diversity. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, you guys should check it out. So I'm going to just play their um, 
let me see this is on they, they have a youtube channel oh nice and so this is the uh it's a bit long i'll play this from their youtube channel this is about their restaurant That when we came here, me and my wife in 2013, we were living at Freedom House, and from there we had an idea. We're gonna have a restaurant and juice bar, East African market. Then this year we won uh, the Hajj. Thank you for the Hajj. So we just wanted Detroit to know that we're really grateful for the city. We wanna do more for the city. Everything we got is because we are in Detroit. We're here at Trina Sof and we've suspended our normal Sunday brunch activities to host this pop-up event. I was not really expecting that much people uh, to get sold out that early. If you see outside how the weather is, I, we couldn't expect that people were going to come. We are running out food now. It's amazing. My first experience going to the first pop-up was it was running from 6 to 9. I got there in 6.15 and all the food was gone. First 15 minutes. So we made it last a little longer, but people showed up early. They blew it out really quick. They could be somewhere else, but they take this time to come to eat our food, to come to support us. We really appreciate the time. Today we had East African breakfast, chapati, mandazi, uji, African tea. We have coffee from Burundi. This is amazing. Even people who are passionate about coffee or know a lot about coffee don't know a lot about Burundi. Side to side, Kenya, Ethiopia, Burundi, and Rwanda, like those coffees, you can discern them. They're so different. We have a dude from Burundi giving it the seal of approval, which you don't always have. I want to say thank you to German. They are roasting coffee for us, and we are selling online through barbalfair.com. I want to say thank you to Prosperous Detroit. I want to say thank you to Hush Detroit. I want to say thank you to Freedom House. We couldn't be here today without their support. It's like we are the luckiest people in the world. Me and my husband, since we are here, we get support with everybody. Detroit is my home. I feel that uh, not only we're going to open East African restaurant, East African culture will be in all Detroiters. All right. What do y'all think? There was a cute little commercial if you go on uh they there was a pop-up they did um at Trina Soves, which is uh pretty much downtown. Interesting. And, yeah, and um, you know, the Hatch Detroit, they got a 50k, 50,000 from Hatch Detroit to start their business, and that's cool. And so with Hatch Detroit, that fund goes to pay for people to get buildings and things. And then the Freedom House, you um, I don't know if y'all know what Freedom House is, but you, you just explained it, Brittany, but um, I know we've done some things with Freedom House and they basically house refugees. And so um, they were able to um, start their business through support from these different you know, funds, Prosperous, is another um, ink business incubator that uh, helps people with their 
uh, business plan and you know structure and things like that so that's pretty cool um yeah it's a different it's unique it's kind of unique to me well it's unique right you know yeah and they're from burundi so that's Mm. that's cool that they get a chance to you know share that culture with detroiters uh i think so too we need more diasporic food i think so too have enough in the city of a black city agree piper how many we have three caribbean restaurants and one african restaurant and it's east african and then the west african senegalese restaurant that we have is in the suburbs oh and there's an ethiopian restaurant in the suburbs yeah there's two technically right blue now and then taste of ethiopia mm-hmm. one's in one's in what southfield the other's in ferndale yeah and then the west african is senegalese i think it's big daddy and that's in what city okay. is i don't know what city that is, what is me neither suburb? i think it might be southfield i don't know i think it's southfield i think so yeah so we definitely need more um diasporic food i'm i'm i'm, I'm looking for the cuban food i'm looking for, mm. we, we do have um quote unquote puerto rican restaurants but i gotta be honest with you like it the puerto rican food that they have here it's not really puerto rican food because like the owner is dominican i think his wife is like equatorian <laughs> the way they make everything is it tastes weird they don't it's not puerto rican style so um yeah i mean they probably should have just opened up an ecuadorian and dominican restaurant you know but um yeah that's interesting um yeah i don't know did you want to share any more or did you have more to share from that um no i'm i'm looking forward to uh supporting them more uh, he and I made a, a, a very small connection, so um, I'm excited. Um, I'm hoping that they can stop by the village next week. If they do, I'll let you guys know. But I mean, it's just cool. It's really inspirational, you know, to see, you know, you know, he was talking about the process of, you know, becoming uh, cold compliant when it comes to being able to sell like your products. Like if I were to do a pizza, a frozen vegan pizza kit, a uh, pizza kit or whatever. He was just talking about like those doing being able to step out and actually sell your product that way is worth it. Um, but it's a very drawn out process. And he was saying that he, you know, he was resourced. He, you know, I didn't know he didn't tell me the whole story within the conversation. He just lightly said that he was, you know, blessed enough to have resources where he was able to be able to walk through that whole entire process. And, you know, he mentioned that it was very difficult and challenging. But once you get to the end of the process, you know what I mean? It's well worth it. You know, it just means too much. You make, you know, you, you capitalize off it just to, to be transparent. You know, you're able to really capitalize off more than, you know, what you're serving in your kitchen. You know, you have a bad day, you know, with food costs. And then the next day you sell, you know, 20 cases of juices, you know, it balances out, you know? So, um, it was, you know, it was, the stage I'm in and, you know, be, you know, trying to have my own space one day when I'm ready for that, you know, it, that was an inspiring, you know, touch. So, um, yeah, just wanted to shout them out. You should reach out to those programs too. Yeah. Yeah. You've got me thinking. Yeah. Um, so. 
All right, I got some. I got like two things. They're all okay. all my stuff. Um, since we're on restaurant, I don't know. Are you are y'all? So we're in Michigan. Friday, the um ban on indoor eating was lifted, and everyone, all the restaurants were able to have sit down eating at 50% capacity. I wonder have folks, um, Deja, Jaira, have y'all gone into any restaurants over the weekend and like sat down and ate in the restaurant at all? No, I haven't. I don't really like to eat in restaurants at all. What about you, Deja? You there, Deja? Well, I'm going to play a clip. And uh, so this is, you know, with all of the indoor uh, restrictions being lifted, they're uh, just talking about, like, what is the impact that it's going to have? Um, and, and we heard already about Texas, you know, um, and what uh, what was it? Was it Alabama and Texas? that we're like bucking against um all restrictions and we're just like hey like we're not gonna respect any of your restrictions but um this is from the cbs evening news and this was the anchor uh nora o'donnell and talking about the indoor dining um and masks Tonight, Dr. Anthony Fauci says he's concerned that a recent drop in infections nationwide has now stalled and could start climbing again. New research from the CDC appears to back that up, suggesting that in places where in-person dining is allowed, the death rate from COVID goes up. At the same time, scientists at the CDC say they now have evidence that masks work, leading to fewer infections and deaths. So, I don't know. Um... What do y'all do y'all have any reaction to that at all? Or go ahead, Jaira. Or Jaira. Well, Jaira said he don't eat at restaurants. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I don't I don't really don't after the like whole COVID thing. Um I just don't feel comfortable eating. I mean I ate at a couple restaurants like earlier last year sometime. But I don't know, it felt it made me feel uncomfortable. So just the fact that you can't really eat. Um, you can't really eat without with your mask on, you know? So you have to take it off. So everyone's in there with no mask and you don't even know those people and you don't know where they've been and you're just eating, breathing the same air as them. And then not like that, it's just I just I just feel uncomfortable because I know a lot of um, restaurants don't clean as well. So I know it's more so like a mental thing for me. I don't trust it. And it's like not safe, I feel like. Yeah, I'm with you. I ate Britney's pizza, but yeah, I'm with you, Jaira. <laughs> Hilarious. No, I definitely say in a restaurant in industry, Going back to eating at restaurants, eat at your own risk. Wow. There was a song 
called I think it was called play at your own risk. Brittany said, eat at your own risk. <laughs> That's all scary. That's a film. Well, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I have to keep it real. Like, it's all about the people. Like, so if you're dealing with some nasty people, man, you just yeah. got to be careful. Try, you know, be sure you trust where, where you're eating and stuff like that. It's just the honest thing. Well, along the lines of COVID, I want to now. There's two different clips that I want to play. I'm trying to see which one I should play you first. I think I'm gonna play you this. Wait, I think I'm gonna play you. Wait, this one first. Where is it? Uh. Okay. Oh wait, where was it? I just had it a second ago. All right. So while I find that other one, I'm gonna play this one here. This one is about um, the crossing the Canadian border and, uh, and the COVID testing. We're looking live right here, the famous Ambassador Bridge, the Windsor-Detroit border. And at that border crossing, that is where the newest federal COVID-19 protocols are now in effect. This is one of the 11 land border crossings that as of today requires non-essential travelers coming into Canada to take a COVID-19 site on, uh, a test rather, on site. The other crossings include Niagara Falls, Saint-Armand, Quebec, the Pacific Highway in British Columbia, Emerson West Lawn in Manitoba. That is today, the 11 sites. Five other sites began the program last week, so a total of 16 sites now requiring this specific test. Okay, so y'all see that when you cross the border, they're going to be looking for you to take that test. But this is my thing. I thought that the test, I thought it was, what is it, like three days or whatever for the results? Oh, but there is the rapid test, right? But then but then the rapid tests weren't, were, were supposed to not be um, accurate. So I don't know. Do y'all know anything, what I'm talking about or no? Brittany, Jaira? And I do and I don't. I just know, like, with the testing, I've heard all kind of sorts of things with the testing. Um, my thing is, is the media has kind of drifted away from talking, even talking to me from my perspective about testing. And it's been more so about vaccination and people getting vaccinated and giving the statistics on that. And so when it comes to really knowing about the testing situation, the only thing I know is, is that people have been complaining about the results and also the pain of getting the thing stuck up your nose. Woo. Well, um, okay. So just along those lines, that's, <laughs> um, here's another clip and this one is, so there's this podcast and these guys were basically talking about there's going to be a um a new like vaccine passport but um i wanted to just play this clip and and get you guys reaction to this clip 
And Mike Murphy at Protocol takes a look at the race to build vaccine passports. If the prognosticators are right, and at least here in the U.S., the supply ramp-up is going so well that hopefully every adult that wants a vaccine can get one by June, the next question will become, well, summer vacations? How can you prove that you have a vaccine in order to get on a plane or go to a concert or do whatever? Should it be a piece of paper, an app on your phone, QR codes, maybe something on the blockchain? Mike looks at all these possible solutions, quote, it's entirely possible that as more people start to get vaccinated, vaccine passports start to become the norm. You walk to work, still masked, of course, scan a QR code reader in the lobby and are let in. You go out for lunch and your loyalty card app has a discount for in-store shoppers verifying they're vaccinated. Your concert ticket is also tied to health pass information that you shared earlier in the day with Ticketmaster. But there are more than a few hurdles ahead of the companies rushing to turn these concepts into realities, end quote. Something I learned from this piece is that places like Hawaii are considering requiring visitors from the mainland to have some form of vaccination passport. So keep that in mind when considering your summer plans. So long story short, um, you know, they, uh, well, uh, they're trying to usher in this, 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 uh, it's like a, a vaccine passport. So, I guess you would have a certain seal or I don't know um, how, how, I don't know what, you know, what it's going to be, but um, you said something earlier, Brittany, about if we're going to be forced to get vaccinated, I could completely see where, you know, whole countries will be like, you can't come here unless you have, you know, the vaccine passport or even states. Will be like, yeah, you can't come here unless you have like your ID, you know, with your updated vaccination information. Like that's just I could see that. That's crazy to me. That's crazy. I don't know. Are do y'all are y'all getting the vaccine? I don't know kind of worried about it because it's so early you know mm-hmm. so um if my job requires it then yes i'll get it but other than that no you know if you read the um like all the the paperwork you know for the vaccines do you know that it, it it's not even fda approved or US, sorry, sorry, USDA approved. I'm sorry, FDA, federal drug. Yeah. You know, it's not FDA approved, the vaccine. That's I did not know that. I would thought it had to be. No, it's, it was rushed. It was, it was called rush to, what is it called? Well, they rushed to make it. So that rush to make it available, but it, it hasn't been approved yet. As a matter of fact, um, I have a clip from okay so you know there was the uh there is the there's the moderna right and then there is the pfizer and then johnson and johnson has one um i haven't heard so much have y'all heard anything about the johnson and johnson one heard you i heard you only have to get one shot it's only one dose 
for the Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. So, um, well, long story short, I think if I'm not mistaken, the Johnson and Johnson one is the one they're they're doing in South Africa. But you can hear, I'm looking for this clip, because you can hear this brother um, complain, <laughs> complaining uh, about all this process and everything. Uh, I'm trying not to accidentally hear it is. Uh, do, 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 let me see, is this the, let me see, is this the clip here? South Africa has moved into the lowest level lockdown, further relaxing restrictions on movement, gatherings, and economic activity. It comes after officials said was a dramatic decline in COVID-19 cases over eight weeks. Now, South Africa is the worst affected country on the continent, having recorded over one and a half million infections and 50,000 deaths. A new variant that is more easily transmitted dominated a deadly second wave in the country. Now, in a national broadcast on Sunday evening, President Cyril Ramaphosa said that the country had now emerged from that second wave and that the vaccine rollout was steadily progressing. Once the vaccination of healthcare workers has been completed, we will begin with phase two of the vaccination rollout in late April to early May. Phase two will include the elderly, essential workers, persons living or working in institutional settings, and those with comorbidities. Now, South Africa recently signed an agreement with Johnson & Johnson to secure 11 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. The country is currently inoculating its frontline health workers, but some of them are opposed to the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because the government began administering the jab before its trial phase had concluded. Hardly two weeks into South Africa's vaccination program and there is growing resistance. So far, less than 80,000 people have received the voluntary jab. So, um, I thought that the frontline workers weren't those the first people that were supposed to get the vaccine? Repeat that question. Weren't the frontline workers the first ones that were supposed to get the vaccine? Yeah. Right. So basically they had already started, they started giving out the vaccine before the trial period was ending. So they're basically experimenting and they're saying that once they get all their dosages, then they're going to start with their, um, with their frontline people. So it means that they didn't, I, I, who would, who did they give the, the trial to? Exactly. Mm -hmm. man this whole thing is a mess man it's scary i'm not getting that vaccine i mean i'm holding out as long as i don't have to get it Thank did you see, see wendy williams no what she said she on her show she was like i'm not getting it and she was she was she did a show with dr oz they were on each other's shows and he was talking to her about her vaccine and she was like oh yeah no i'm sorry i'm not getting i'm not getting it and he was like what she was like i'm not getting the vaccine he i know he was like okay look lady you off script 
um he was like trying to coach her you know like hey is that what you meant to say you mean you're she was like no i'm not playing these games i'm not getting a vaccine and he's like well why not she's like i don't trust it i know he was like uh <laughs> Because, you know, they're trying to get all the celebrities to say, you know, get on the vaccine train and say they're all hyped up and going to take the vaccine, you know, so especially black celebrities, because they want to vaccinate all the black people for sure. If I hear one more stat about how no black people are taking it, it's going to make me mad. Man, black people are taking it. They are. Black people. They really are. Yeah. Regular black folks that have jobs and this kind of thing they're all getting it they're all getting a vaccine like all these all these black people are getting vaccine so i don't know what they're talking about but um yeah i'm not getting it i'm holding out as long as i can i'm out i'm getting my 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 bloodstream my my, my immune system up with my holistic doctor and that's what i'm doing i got me some n95 masks and um, I'm going to just stay away from y'all and the rest of the people in the world as often as I can and only connect when I, when it's necessary or I have to. And I don't know, it'll be like that for a minute until all the rest of y'all get vaccinated. <laughs> but I don't know. But do y'all have reactions to anything, any of those clips that I played? Like whether it was the one from South Africa, or if it was um, the, the, the first um, couple of clips I played around the um, vaccine passport or, or um, the coming in and out of Canada. D- did y'all have anything to um, add about that? It doesn't surprise me uh, just because like, I, I do think that there, that's going to be their way to make sure that everyone gets vaccinated. I mean, they've already told in the beginning with the technology if you see it and get it didn't go nowhere though where they wanted you to be able to like tell if you had had covid so that it could tell you who in your area who you was walking next to had covid you see that disappeared but that's just to let you know like where they want to go with this so they'll be able to detail who is or isn't vaccinated um now whether they're able to do anything with that we'll see um, it does kind of give me hope the fact that it they weren't able to do the app the way that they thought they were going to be able to. It didn't work out. I haven't heard anything about that damn app. The COVID tracking app? Yep. Oh, yeah. People are working on all time. Remember, they had a few of them and people are working on that stuff. You know what's interesting? Um... All this stuff. Okay, this is what's going on in my brain. So we just heard that Microsoft had this breach, right? From that was supposedly from China, right? Yeah. And we know that that's Bill Gates, right? Or no? Did y- y'all know that, right? Yeah. Okay. Now you talked about the tracking app and all of this tracking that's going on. Um. You know, the main company that is responsible for a lot of the tracking, do y'all know what that main company is that's responsible for most of the tracking? Microsoft? IBM. 
Now, do y'all know the history of IBM? At yeah. all? So pipe. Huh? I don't think so. IBM, I mean, most people might know IBM these days from some of their technologies, but if you grew up in like the 70s and 80s and maybe 60s, 70s, 80s, IBM was like the main like typewriter company and then they got into word processors. But historically back in, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the World War II days, IBM was the company that was uh, working with the Nazis to track Jews. You know that? Wait, what? IBM, there's a book about it. There's a lot of research. There's extensive research about it. I was saying historically, is, wow. IBM was the company that was doing all the tracking for the Nazis. They were tracking the Jews for the Nazis. And, you know, later it cleaned its image up and became America's number one before Microsoft in the like 60s, 70s, and 80s. And even in the 90s, as Microsoft was building itself, IBM was the leading company for all these corporations. And they use IBM products. You know, all their offices were outfitted with IBM computers. And that was the main uh, computer that folks used was an IBM. Typewriters, you know, initially it was typewriters when everyone had the typewriters in their offices. And then when they switched- I remember those. <laughs> yeah, then they switched over to word processors and then, it, then everyone switched over to computers. And I guess Microsoft took over when, you know, things kind of went the way of the software, but in terms of equipment, you know, hardware, IBM was, you know, a giant. And so in this age of technology, IBM has now switched itself over also to software. And um, yeah, so now, so they're the ones that are leading in this tracking of this like COVID tracking, you know, but that was their history. So I wasn't sure if y'all were aware of that. I definitely was, there was a connection there um, with IBM and the tracking part. Um, but I do remember like being really young, like in the early nineties, like IBM having a presence um, but because I was so young, I like when I say young, like I mean like two or three or four, like I didn't get a chance to like really embrace their existence. And it seemed like once I was old enough to start using computers, IBM really wasn't a thing. Like I just remember like at Mumford, like they had a they had a um a tech room that had Apple computers and then everything else, to your point, there it was it was pretty it was it was Microsoft driven, I'm pretty sure. So I didn't really get a chance to like encounter IBM software or programs, but I definitely knew about them as a brand. And then, like I said, it's like they disappeared. Yeah. Um, so now they're back 
with their Nazi tracking, <laughs> historical Nazi tracking technology to track you for COVID. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the world we're in. Mm. That's the world we're in. So I don't know. Um, we've been talking for a long time now. That's a lot of research for folks to do, stuff for folks to check out. I don't. I know agree. If, I don't know if um Deja or if Jaira have any other topics that they want that y'all want to touch on, or if y'all want to touch on any of these. No, not really. No. Okay. And what about you, Deja? Well, I uh, hope Deja has a good week. Hope, Jairi, you have a good week. Pipe, it's been great. It was good seeing you this weekend. It's been a long time. Um, yeah. And I hope you guys have a, a good upcoming week as well. Yeah. So, um, well, Jaira, give us your parting words. Um, try to stay positive as much as you can, no matter what happens in your life. Oh, Jaira. And what about you, Brittany? Um, nothing really. Just uh, like I said, everyone have a good week. Jaira, keep your head up. Um, you are the man with the plan. Just remember that everything's gonna work out, and uh, that's it. And I don't know, Deja, are you there? You want to leave us with some parting words? Okay, I think Deja had to step away. Well, for me, I'm just um, want to let y'all know that we have a lot of dope programming uh, for Women's History Month. Um, the, well, I don't know, I, I, some many shows ago, I have been talking a lot about the Universal Hip Hop Museum. And it, you know, they broke ground, they're, they're starting to build. Um, there's so much great stuff that's happening. A lot of amazing people are at the table. And um, just wanted to shout out everyone that's been working on this for some years. And a special shout out to Martha Diaz who is leading the Women in Hip Hop uh, initiatives under her uh, brand, the Hip Hop Education Center. And so it's a jam-packed month that's full of women in hip hop programming. There's different panel discussions. There's an amazing playlist with just all types of women on and it's it's volumes and volumes and volumes over the years and it's by decade of all these women in hip hop um on the social media you know there'll be different uh you know day by day highlighting of different women in hip hop who are very significant and it's just amazing i'm going to be on one of the panels um if you want, you can uh, sign up for the newsletter on the website, wefoundhiphop.com. Go to, go to my website, sign up for my newsletter. But to find out about these projects, um, you want to go to, you can go to the Universal Hip Hop Museum's website, and you can also go to uh, the Hip Hop Education um, website. And so the hip hop education website is hip hop 
education.com. And then um, if you want to check out the Universal um, Hip Hop Museum, that one is the UHHM.org. And that's for, you know, all things re regarding the new museum that's coming. So just look forward for, for those things. And um, so exciting. It's so exciting. And keep listening yes. to the podcast. Oh, also the end of this month uh, for We Found Hip Hop, one of our artists, Aisha Ellis, is going to be featuring her new music. She's currently in the studio working on great music in the end of this month will be streaming her performance. And so uh, for her new song. Nice. So um, I'm really excited. We'll play the song on here. We're gonna do uh, a live and, and I'm just excited. It's gonna be amazing. Um, but once again, you know, this has been the Piper Carter podcast. We thank you for listening. We want you to uh, share, like, subscribe, you know, let folks know. Join us on our Facebook page, Piper Carter podcast. And, you know, join the discussion and let us know what topics you're interested in or let us know what you think about this show. Also, too, you can find us on Instagram, pc.podcast. And, you know, we're always looking for feedback from our listeners. We really appreciate you. Uh, it was so exciting to learn that there's 25,000 of you. And so you know, we, we come up with our topics every week, but we definitely want to make sure that we're touching on topics that you want us to touch on that, you know, things that you want us to uh, hear us discuss. And of course you can go to the Detroit is different website, which is Detroit is different.net. And that's where you can hear all of the other podcasts. Cause there's so, so many amazing people that are doing podcasting on this network and shouts out to Kari Way Frazier and um, more surprises will be coming. Um, there's gonna be a whole summer's worth of outdoor programming for Detroit is different. So just looking forward uh, to those things. And um, yeah, just keep listening, keep sharing, keep letting people know, and we will see you next star heaven may the lord be with me made me look like reverend made me look like regal Southside of the i swear i look so regal i swear i look so regal Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.